Hey Vidranis. <clears throat> so here's to another podcast about um, actually two cases I had recently, um, canine and feline, uh, with regard to linear form bodies. Um, they can be sometimes <clears throat> very tricky to tackle, um, but sometimes, of course, they are very straightforward, especially when it comes down to the history when the owner has clearly witnessed the animal um, eating the linear form body. Most of them do have the tendency to come in a bit late. Um, once obviously you have them presenting with clinical signs, but if they come really in very early stages where it's literally immediate after ingestion, then you always have the option of um, if it's safe um, at that stage, obviously to do endoscopy and just remove it. But if there are already very sort of significant clinical signs, then obviously it will go down the route of investigating further if it's not 100% known or if it's known and there are signs then obviously to address that as such. Um, it's, I find it somehow that cats are less dramatic uh, with the clinical signs, um, I would say. I think it's maybe down to they somehow just really tolerate it longer and they don't tend to really get like a full, um, immediate like full-blown obstruction, hence obviously more like a chronic appearance as such, um, rather than compared to dogs where you will see more rapidly really um, signs and more rapidly deterioration and then also more rapidly intestinal perforation as such. Um, but as I said, it's it's really down to investigating um, each one of them, especially if it's not immediately known or, or certain that they have um, really ingested a foreign body and um, a linear form body per se, but it's most of the animals will present um, very likely with, really with clinical signs uh, as in, in vomiting, um, potential to diarrhea, anorexia, inappetence, um, dehydration, lethargy, all the way even at worst case if there is already perforation ongoing that you will also see signs of um, peritonitis or sepsis. So as I said, you really just address it um, with such, I find many cats also drool a bit. Um, so I've had a few cases of them that showed really quite marked tearism as such. But um, as I said, it really very much varies with that. The ones that will already have a perforation, um, will have a severe peritonitis or will be going into shock because of septic peritonitis, obviously make sure you really sort of acknowledge um, these signs uh, of such of pain mucous membranes, tachycardia, um, increased capillary refill time, pyrexia, um, and obviously really quite severe lethargy as such. So you will, we will obviously do find these. Um, pain relief, um, a big one not to forget. I think sometimes we just focus, you know, diagnosing linear form body that despite having the patient presented as they are, um, forget really to submit analgesia and obviously that's something really not to forget so make sure you make your patient more comfortable which also will ease than doing further investigations such such as whatever is required in terms of blood work radiographs ultrasound or even just you know placing your iv line so um i do like to go um straight on to methadone as such um depending if it's intramuscular or if you already got an iv line i'm intravenously so that really depends, and I think everybody has a bit of their um, dose preferences. 
Um, definitely um, would go down the route of baseline bloods. Um, we do like to do a full um, hematology biochemistry and I do find um, blood gas analysis really very um, interesting in these ones because especially with patients with um, obstructive patterns, um, maybe obviously in the future if you sort of pay a bit more attention to your blood gas analysis that you sometimes find um, sort of very common um, and distinct uh, repetitive patterns as such with hyperchloremia, hyponatremia, sometimes obviously also hyperkalemia. Many of them will have a metabolic um, alkalosis. Um, so that is pretty much, I think, from all the patients I've seen, 50-60% of them had one. So you can pretty much already sometimes tell anybody blood gas analysis that there is something really uh, suspicious going on. Um, as such, if your glucose is also like very low and you do feel like, okay, they do show signs, you know, of shock and the potential peritonitis, then you might really might suspect at that stage, um, potentially deceptors. Um, you can do obviously an activated clotting time, but it's obviously coagulation is not one thing everybody has. Um, but you will see that if there's a really severe inflammation in the body, um, it will activate um, your COA cascade as such. Um, and then you will obviously know, you know, the risk of like microthrombus, the IC. Um, so, um, so it's also not, not too bad to have that if you do. Obviously, with a metabolic alkalosis, um, I mean, if the patient really initially requires stabilization, so do make sure you stabilize your patient first before going to surgery. So really doing your perioperative um, preparations as such, because if you just rush them to surgery and they are unstable, um, obviously you will have no gains out of that at all. Um, with regard to, as mentioned, the metabolic alkalosis and the fact that you often have a hypochloremia, hyponatremia and hyperkalemia, that you would obviously go for an acidifying um, fluid solution as such. So I would then go with these ones with um, sodium chloride because it has its acidifying um, component. And if the potassium is low, obviously to supplement your potassium as such. Make sure when you rehydrate these patients, it's not really just to bluntly or blindly go with, you know, with what you sometimes see, just twice maintenance, three times maintenance. I think really encounter and include um, really your dehydration assessment um, as such. So really see how many percent your patient is dehydrated, supplement accordingly, incorporate your losses um, as such. And maybe even if you really do need to go to surgery, then try maybe, you know, to get um, a big bundle of that fluid that you want to obviously supplement within the first 24 hours, maybe in like 50% of that in between the first three to six hours um, under constant assessment, obviously, if it allows to wait that long. If you cannot obviously wait that long, then I would definitely make sure maybe to do like fluid challenges, fluid bonuses, um, and then see uh, that you have your patient um, as stable as possible to get into surgery. When it comes to surgery, I think uh, it's down to you really to to um, consider obviously whatever um, anesthetic pattern you have. If they had a really good um, you know pre medication with your analgesic, and you can always see whether you want to whatever you want to add up. It depends really pretty much on your patient. With really stable patient, as said, um, you 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 make your choice really depending on your as a um, um, assessment. Um, when you when you go down to surgery, um, 
as such, as I said, just be sure, you know, you know, not on just on the basis to go to surgery, just on the basis that you've heard, you know, they've eaten um, a potential area. Probably said you make sure you have also your your um, diagnostic imaging behind it as such with regard to that. I cannot say that I always immediately do um, radiographs with dogs more likely, with cats sometimes less, because often also with cats, uh, particularly I do have to say you can sometimes very nicely palpate um, obviously the bunched um, intestines as such to really, um, and obviously see obviously how uncomfortable they are. But I find, and I'm very keen, I'm ultrasonographist, so I do a lot of ultrasound and I do think you can see that very distinctively um, on the ultrasound. So it is quite sensitive at the stage to see really this ribbon candy-like um, appearance, the hypogenity within the lumen. So you do see that um, obviously linear structure as such lack of wall layers. Um, and then obviously sometimes if it's maybe a thicker um, piece of material like I had the other day with a cat it was really a very very thick yarn you can also see some distal shadowing along um, as such so ultrasound is really a highly sensitive um, diagnostic tool with x-ray um, I say 50% of the time there's not always like a classic um, sign as such I find it maybe with dogs a bit better maybe it's down to the size as such that you can see obviously placation and bunching of the intestines that you see those little coma um, gas patterns as such uh, so as I said these sometimes can be signs that um, do reflect in but um, as I said it's not always very distinguishable if you do x-rays then I would definitely recommend um, if you're already there then to do three views um, right lateral left lateral and then dorsal venture um, you know as such or so really to really see from from all angles um, I'm not a fan of contrast studies personally, so I don't really do much contrast study um, personally because I think if you have all that uh, medium in there, um, then if you do have to cut it, would not really be ideal having any kind of barium in there and on your surgical side, so I would personally um, avoid that. When you do assess these patients, I think one thing that can be very easily forgotten and hence I want to enhance that here is really is the anchor so you will either have many linear front body anchored under the tongue especially cats um many i've seen was like dental floss anchored underneath the tongue so make sure really any cat that i tend to see presented for vomiting for potential suspected foreign body whether it's linear or not i will always check under the tongue um, because you sometimes do find quite um, quite a bit of surprise there so do make sure not to forget under your tongue because sometimes it can really properly cut in because of the pressure and obviously the forward movement of the peristaltis with that linear foreign body. But as I said, sometimes you could see an injury there, but no, no foreign body anymore in case it did get loose. But as I said, don't forget under the tongue. Or as I said, the second anchor you will often find is um, at the pylorus. So these are really, really the main two sites I focus on, especially also with the scan, with the ultrasound at the pylorus to really have a look there. Um, so when you get into surgery, I would say don't be too too shy to, to cut wider if you need to. So there's nothing worse than not having a big enough um, surgical field that you need to explore. 
So make sure really if you need to cut from really do a proper ventral midline ciliotomy, really cut from cyphid all the way to to heaves, then just you know go ahead with that if you really need to explore as such. With dogs, Belfield retractors are really um definitely a go-to. Uh with cats, um if you have smaller ones, definitely. If not, then as I said, um it wouldn't be now the biggest issue unless you really have any concerns with regard to um, peritonitis, sepsis or um, severe perforation, then I definitely would make sure that you have um, really a good surgical field as such. Um, regardless, when you do start exploring your abdomen and the intestines, the stomach, just make sure really to do, to be gentle. Um, there's nothing worse than you know pulling and tucking around and actually putting even more tension on on potentially you know your linear form body cutting potentially even through um through um the intestines. So I would say really sort of enough to potentially palpate it and to find your anchor the pylorus, but not as much to really wiggle things around and then also to cause more damage um, than good um, as such. Um, my last patient had a, we could see already on the scan that there was the anchor and that cat was in the pylorus, pretty much stuck there as a bundle. Um, and But we also could obviously visualize um, more material, obviously linear form body going through the guts with the entire application. Um, done a ventral ciliotomy managed i always first whenever release your anchor so whether it's anchor under your tongue to obviously reduce the tension that has happened due to the application or remove and release anchor from your stomach so most of my cats maximum will have one or two incisions in terms of um, a gastrotomy to release a um, gastric anchor and an, one enterotomy site usually to release um, the foreign body from the intestines. It's very, very rare that we have to do more than one enterotomy. I really try to avoid that, um, really working as atraumatic as possible to really um, reduce any kind of you know, in future wound dehiscence, etc. So the less you can do, the better um, as such. So my last patient had one gastrotomy to release a gastric um, pyloric anchor and then one enterotomy and we removed that. It was a really great recovery, no no really damage to the intestine. So hence it's really important um that you make sure you know that your guts are healthy, that they look you know vital, that there is no signs of perforation, leakage, um as such. So as I do make sure that you look at that arterial pulsation, peristaltis, bleedings, um as such. It's been a bit of a debate, I think, for quite a while. Um, um, even I think even six, seven years ago, when I went to CPDs that it included enterotomies, gastrotomies, etc. About pressure checks, um, I don't do them um, because I pretty much can see whether there's a leakage or not on 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 my um, closure of enterotomy sites. Um, and I think even if you would consider doing a pressure check, if that makes you feel better, but it means. Um, do that, but you have to consider the pressure you infuse with a syringe um, as such into that um, section is never the same pressure that you have with um, obviously gut material, with um, ingester passing through. So you're actually applying even more 
tension on a really fresh suited enterotomy side, which I think will not be very beneficial. So I never really had problems with enterotomy sites. I make sure afterwards that I really attach the omentum. I mean, the omentum is an amazing organ, really with its lymphatic and um, drainage with its vascular supply, with its like immune-related um, components. So do make sure, you know, utilize your omentum um, post-suture as such onto your um, enteric closure site. Cats, uh, I would usually always go for four-zero. Um, strengths um, dogs depending on size really lar large dogs more than a three zero um, as such but um, smaller dogs will also be at a four zero I like simple interrupted um, positional sutures so don't shy off really that if you have at your enterotomy side, really the mucosa just quilling out to really trim that a little bit down so that you can really have nice opposition of your um of your gut lines um of the enterotomy side so that you really have a nice closure side. Just make sure whatever you do, really always always incorporate your submucosa. Your submucosa is your holding layer. This is what you give the main strengths um to that um suture side. You know, and you really want to maximize it as much as possible. So don't forget to incorporate that. And you will feel that when you go through with your needle, you will, it just feels a bit firmer when you, when you really taper through. So make sure really to incorporate that. In the end, I always say if everything looks clear and fine, um, as such, regardless of how you approach your surgeries, I always make sure wherever I do my gastrotomy or my enterotomy that this part of of the organ of the side is completely outside my abdomen so don't try to cut really just on top of your opened up soliotomy side so really pack your abdomen up keeps those um, um lap towels moist and really take out that section that you need as such really because you really don't want to contaminate anything with ingester or, or food material so keep it as sterile as possible um, we will use um, on a 90-minute basis um, antibiotics starting from induction um, as such, but if it's a really a clean and straightforward procedure, there has been no contamination, the abdomen has properly flushed out and lavaged out, and I always say really dilute, 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 so dilution is, is your solution to the pollution, so keep going with that, I said if you want two liters to, to, to lavage your abdomen after, just do your two liters as such. Um, but um, I said, if you have half worked really sterile, then you don't really need um, any more antibiotics um, afterwards. So I do not send my patients home on antibiotics um, if it's been a straightforward surgery. And most of them actually do go home after a day or two, um, eating, feeling fine, um, having been obviously to the litter tray or to, to outside certificating. So that's when we know obviously everything is fine and we would clearly initially always TPR them very frequently to ensure if there are any signs of a wound distance infection sepsis as such um as i said it's it's quite straightforward and as such so the main points is really as i said get get to use really more and more your ultrasound um as if, if you're more comfortable with radiographs do your radiographs but um i find ultrasound works really pretty much for a lot of things and I love ultrasounding, so I do a lot of AFAS, TFAS, uh, Vet Blue, Pocus. So as I get that probe on, have a look how how your 
um, linear form body looks like, find it in within your lumen, you know, see that hypochoric line, try to um, allocate your um, gastric anchor. And as I said, the anchor is the next point, so do not forget to look under the tongue. Do not forget maybe to just look with your scan um, at that pylorus as such to really see if you can find something. But obviously, also with every patient, the initial assessment. Have a sort of, I don't say play, with um with the blood gas analysis i know obviously not everybody has one available but if you do um if you do then most probably you will find that with every or with most and at least 56% of your patients with obstructive obstructions you will find a metabolic alkalosis and you will find that chlorine will going to be low and you will find that um, sodium will be low and often also potassium with the losses as such so it's sometimes quite nice actually almost like to see that pattern and and make you more um susceptible to sink if you just see a blood gas analysis with a potential history of um, vomiting diarrhea um, anorexia um to say okay well this looks very suspicious as such um otherwise i do obviously not hope that everybody keeps having linear form bodies but if you do have them as they have a play around there is a really nice paper from sally griffin and jfms um 2019 um especially when it comes to cats because i know cats can be a bit more fiddly and a bit more difficult to ultrasound but it shows you really images of the feline um for feline abdominal ultrasound what is normal what is not normal when you have a foreign body when you have neoplasia when you even have a linear foreign body so it's a really good paper with really great images that you really can utilize as such Otherwise, you would have um, a paper, maybe a bit older from 2002 from Bebchik or even from 2009 from Hayes that are not too bad with regard to gastrointestinal foreign bodies. So obviously you can have a look in there. If you do want them, as I said, join in the group um, at Vet Rounds on Facebook and I'm more than happy to share any if needed. Well then, well, good luck with your next linear foreign body. And as I said, keep me posted if there's anything else you want to ask about. Bye.